There you are. Good morning. Good morning. Where are you? Are you by your front door? I am. I'm to the left of my I know exactly where you are now. And where are your where are all your siblings? My siblings are in the basement, and my mom told them to act like they were in the quiet place. The quiet. <laughs> yeah. So they're downstairs in the basement, staying very quiet. And mom is up here sitting in the camera room while I sing to all of you guys. Right on. Right on. All right. So shall right. we do some singing today? Yeah, I'm gonna do some singing. Perfect. Yeah. Go for it. Every doubt and fear, bring all the shame you hide. Yes, I've been waiting, longing to take it and break every lie. Even the darkest nights, even when hope seems gone, no matter the distance. You need to know this, that I won't let you go. So come as you are. Come as you are to me. Never too far. Never too far away. So come as you are. You can find hope and peace. Something you think to lead me to, and it starts here today. So come as you are. Come as you are to me. Never too far. Never too far away. Come as you are. Your mercies awaken the heart, awaken the spirit, awaken the soul from death. New mercies awaken the heart. Awaken the spirit, awaken the soul from death. So come as you are, come as you are to me, never too far, never too far away. So come as you are. New mercies awaken the heart, awaken the spirit, awaken the soul from death. New mercies awaken the heart, awaken the spirit, awaken the soul from death. Come as you are. 
come as you are. In the middle of the night, when worry finds me, God so loved the 
Nicely done, Judah. Thank you. Thanks for uh, sharing with us this morning. Hey, anytime. Happy to see all of you. It's good seeing you. I'm going to flip your camera off here real quick. All right. Well, uh, I just want to say thanks for uh, just this past week. It's obviously an interesting week. And uh, just to think about how I mute Matt. There we go. I had to mute you, Matt. Sorry. Uh, think about all the things that's gone on this past week that would have already like flown by. You know, um, I I hate to say it, but we're going to be in this thing for a while. I would anticipate uh, probably a good three more weeks of probably meeting like this, maybe even living like what we are. But the good news is, is that 
you have great hope. You have great hope inside of you, and that is a great thing. Uh, we pick up where we left off in the letter of James, James uh, writing to the church and trying to encourage them as they're going through a troubled time. It's a perfect time for us to go through the book of James because they're experiencing uh, something very similar to what we're experiencing. When we started this book, we had no idea that we would be here today like this, meeting like this, and basically sequestered in our home. But James started out in chapter one, he was telling them just to be patient in their trouble and to seek wisdom. And that wisdom that they needed came from the Lord. And then in uh, chapter two, he actually talked about living out who, who they are, who they are in Christ and teaching them to serve compassionately. And man, we are watching the church do that. This whole, this whole past week has just been about people serving one another and loving one another and checking on one another. It's just been so cool. And then last week we talked about the tongue. How are you able to tame the tongue? Well, you and I both know that you can't tame the tongue based upon your own self-discipline, that it's the spirit inside of you that causes you to speak carefully and probably cause you to listen more than speak. So then that takes us into the last part of chapter three. There's only about five or six verses that we're going to cover this morning, but they're pretty important. And I think it's, again, timely, timely to what God is doing uh, in the world, as well as matching it with our walking through Acts in the book of James. So I'll start in James chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct, he should show that his works are done in the gentleness or the the meekness that comes from wisdom. This is the original show and tell verse. If you've got wisdom, it's actually going to show because of who you are in Christ. It says that whole word wise, the wise describes one with moral insight and one with skill in the practical issues of life. You're, you're seeing that this week. You're seeing those that have much wisdom come and do things that are morally right. Wisdom is not measured by degrees, but by deeds. People can demonstrate their wisdom truly just by listening to the Spirit and allowing the Spirit to work through them. When that does, you can tell that they have wisdom. Now, the word gentleness and meekness, think about that for a second. In Galatians chapter 5, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. The fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. Where do we get gentleness? I'm not a gentle guy, but I have the Holy Spirit inside of me, and the Holy Spirit inside of me produces gentleness. And that whole phrase, the, the meekness of wisdom, uh, that in itself is an interesting one. Meekness is the right use of power. 
and wisdom is the right use of knowledge. They absolutely go together. The truly wise person will show in his, his daily life, and you're talking about the conduct, you're talking about the behavior. That's the one word that we're always cautious about because it seems like the church is trying to teach behavior, but if you just listen to the spirit, your behavior will fall in line. That wise person will show his daily life that he is a child of God. It's about, it's about attitude and action actually working together. It's not a matter of acquiring truth in lectures, but of applying truth to life. The truly wise man is humble. And it's not a false humility either. It's, tr it's truly being humble. Then you look at verse 14, it says, but if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Uh, bitterness and selfishness. Selfishness uh, is always going to rise to the top when we live out of our flesh. You So you take God's word and Sometimes we just start beating people over the head with it. It's God's agenda over our agenda. And this whole thing that they were doing, just teaching and teaching and teaching, they were trying to control their behavior. And it was purely out of selfishness. What am I going to get? How am I going to get my people, my disciples to behave properly? It was all selfish ambitions. Then you look at verse 15, it says, such wisdom does not come down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, strife in other words, there is disorder in every evil practice. Think about that for a second. Envy and strife are clear indicators that one's so-called wisdom is not from above. You can look at, go back to James chapter 1, verse 17. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. But then he says, there's another kind of wisdom, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil it's demonic it's that whole envy and selfish ambition that we read about in verse 14 it can only produce disorder confusion in every practice think about this for a second the bible the bible contains many examples of of men and their folly of man's wisdom think about the building of the tower of babel it seemed like a, a wise enterprise, but it ended in failure and confusion back in Genesis. Seemed like it was wise for Abraham to go to Egypt when the famine came to Canaan, but the results prove otherwise. King Saul thought it would be wise for David to take on his own armor when he went into battle with Goliath. But obviously, David thought differently. And then the disciples, 
they thought it was wise to dismiss the great crowd and let them find their own food. But Jesus took a few loaves and a fish and he fed the multitudes. And of course, the Roman experts in Acts 27 thought it was wise to leave port and set sail from Rome, even though Paul disagreed. And that storm followed that proved that Paul's wisdom was better than their own. They lived to regret, to regret it, but they did live. The unspirituality of world management, if not reined in by wisdom from above, it's going to dominate the church and cause it to be led into a myriad of evils. A truly wise person, they don't seek glory or gain. He's gracious and giving. I look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. In your former ways of life, so when you're born, you're born with the sinful nature. And it was natural for you to do things in your own strength, your own, your own abilities. That's what the whole old covenant is about. It says now, if you continue to walk in that way, the spirit is now working in the disobedient. I may have a season where I walk in my flesh, where I'm disobedient, but that's not my nature. And that's not who I am. The world system versus who I am are two totally different things. The world system of values and perspective versus the spirit, the way that we think. You can obviously see in social media and um, just the media in general, they think one way. But we as the church and as believers, we have a different way of thinking. There's earthly wisdom and then there's heavenly wisdom. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, there is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. That would be earthly wisdom. Think about this for a second. Uh, I, I'm cautious in, in how I uh, approach this subject because uh, counseling is the seeking of wisdom. I believe in uh, professional counselors, but uh, there, the, there's a broad range of, of counselors out there. A, a secular counselor, one that uh, doesn't have any spiritual background, think about that. They're going to process behaviors, your past behaviors, your, your present behaviors, your, even your future behaviors with the client. These processes will be dependent upon one's own self-discipline and strength. They're going to tell you what you dealt with, maybe some experiences. They're going to tell you what you're dealing with, and they're going to tell you how to deal with it in the future. Then there's the label of the Christian counselor. <laughs> the Christian counselor, uh, I send out my warning flags here. Be very careful where you step right here because they may do the exact same thing as the secular counselor, but they're going to use the Bible as the law. 
they're going to put you underneath the law and have you do things based upon your own strength. So now I've just kind of talked about secular counseling, Christian counseling, but what about a wise heavenly counseling, a counselor that will process behavior experiences with you and they'll not only do that, but they'll disciple and teach you the best way, which is to submit to the spirit that resides in your mortal body. I hate to say it, but there's not too many counselors out there that would be doing that for you. They will disciple you out of heavenly wisdom. I believe in professional counseling but I've greatly reduced my recommendations over the years. In fact, I would trust most of you, my Levener friends, the Levener people, in discipling others than I would in most counselors. I know that sounds harsh, but knowing your identity, knowing who you are, knowing that the Spirit of God lives inside of you is such a big deal because it teaches you how to live in submission to the spirit and allowing the spirit to do it in you and through you. That is the whole deal. So he's sitting here talking about an earthly wisdom versus a heavenly wisdom. And then uh, I was talking with uh, Phil Tooley, Phil, you on here? yesterday about Satan and his domain, Satan and his domain. What is his domain? It can either translate domain as a, a place talks about in scripture as an atmospheric domain that he's out there. The demonic spirits are out there, but really domain here is talking about authority or a rule. There's no question that we are in a battle. And the ruler of this world is the, the prince, the chief of the atmosphere, the evil one. So today, parents, you're in a battle with the evil one, and you have a spirit that resides inside of you. I would say this. I know that you're going to do everything that you can to protect your kids. You're doing it we're watching you. You're making them wash their hands. You're making them stay inside. You're doing all these things right now. Mama bear has come out and you're protecting your kids. It's not going to be any different than when you go into a spiritual battle. So you want to protect your kids. How do you protect your kids? Mom, dad, the best way you protect your kids is you know him. And you trust him. Know the Father, the Creator, the one who is from the beginning. Walk with him. Have an intimate relationship with the Father. And then trust him. That's so hard just to be able to trust him. But if we're going to fight this battle, it's totally a spiritual battle. And I trust the spirit that lives in your mortal body. 
First Peter 5, 8 says this, be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. I've always referred to that verse as like the Simba verse. If you remember the whole time in the Lion King when they were teaching Simba to pounce, that's exactly what the evil one does. He gets you when you least expect it. You think things are going really, really well in your house spiritually, just financially, job-wise, relationship-wise, and all of a sudden the evil one will just pounce on you. And then I look at 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14, and it says, And no wonder, for Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. You see, James has listed the negative, the envy, the strife, the boasting, the bragging, and the deceit. That's all tactics of the evil one. But then watch what James does right here. In verse 17, he says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy, and good fruits, unwavering without pretense. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. Think about this. James has listed this whole fruit of righteousness, the purity. Purity. God is holy. Therefore, wisdom from above is pure. If you're going to have wisdom, heavenly wisdom, I guarantee you it's going to be pure. And then he says peace. He's talking about having unity. If you want unity, then there's got to be peace in your house. You want peace in your house right here during this quarantine. The peace of the church or even the peace of the family is not more important than the purity of the church. You got to back up, back up one of those words. If the church is pure, if the family is pure and devoted to God, then there's going to be peace because it's one of the fruits of the spirit. So there comes purity, then there comes peace. And then he goes back to the whole meekness and gentleness thing that he talked about in verse 13. The gentle person does not deliberately cause fights, but neither does he compromise the truth. In order to keep the peace, there's a great balance there of knowing when to listen and knowing when to speak. And the word compliance, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good word for today is can we be compliant with all that's going on? God's wisdom makes the believer agreeable and easy to live with and work with, hopefully. Man's wisdom makes a person hard and stubborn. The compliant person is willing to hear all sides of a question, but he does not compromise his own convictions. He can disagree without being disagreeable. You can look at social networking and you don't have to respond to it because you know it won't do any good. Then there'll be other times when you may want to stick an oar in the water and just stir the water a little bit. And then that word mercy. 
you've heard it said, I don't know how many times, God in his grace gives us what we do not deserve. And in his mercy, he does not give us what we do deserve. Mercy is a good thing for those who have wisdom. And good fruits, of course, if you have the fruit of the spirit, you're going to produce good deeds. People who are faithful are fruitful. God's wisdom does not make a life empty. It makes it full. The spirit produces fruit to glorify God. Then decisiveness. That's a big one. Decisiveness will really show and give credibility to someone's wisdom. When you have God's wisdom, you do not waver. You can be decisive and not be afraid. Wisdom from above brings strength from above. And then that last word, the whole sincerity. You always sign your letters off sincerely. Faith is living without scheming. That's truly who you are and what you mean. Worldly wisdom produces trouble. Isaiah 32, 7 says, The scoundrel's weapons are destructive. He hatches plots to destroy the needy with lies, even when the poor person says what is right. But on the other hand, God's wisdom produces great blessings. God's way and God's thoughts are far above us. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says this, Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. Church, I know you're at home. I know you're isolated. I know you are being barraged with thoughts. Scripture says, think on things above. Think on things above the wisdom of God. May you rest in the wisdom of God rather than the wisdom of your TV. May you trust the Lord through all these trying days. Father, it's my prayer this morning for these families that are gathered here, sitting around their computers and their phones and their iPads, that you will just give them rest today, that you will keep them healthy. We can hear the wind outside. We know that you are moving and that you are alive today. Uh, I pray that you would just heal our land, heal our world from this, that you would allow us to get back to our routines and the things that we enjoy. But at the same time, I thank you, Lord, for the pause, that we can sit here and pause and be with our families. Pray for those that are separated from their families right now, that you would protect them, that you would provide for them. May you let everybody be able to sleep and rest. May you remove anxiety. May we trust in you alone. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.